Welcome to the Aviation Podcast. My name is Dave, a commercial pilot with a Group 1 IFR and a current CFI candidate. On today's episode, Ottawa's luxury tax on personal aircraft, what it means for future owners, NASA's Mars aircraft successful first flight, we want to retouch porpoising as well. A personal situation happened that I'd like to go over. A new 737 MAX issue affects nearly two dozen airlines. Stick around, we got lots in store for today for episode 8 on World Pilot Day, the Aviation Podcast. And thanks for checking into episode eight of the Aviation Podcast and happy World Pilot Day. Today's a day where we can look back at aviation history and uh, appreciate all that they've done to bring us to the day we are today and where we are with the aircraft. Uh, if you think about how far we've come in such a short, short amount of time, uh, it's, it's unbelievable where aviation has gone even uh, just in the past, uh, you know, even if even if we say the last 50 years, it's unbelievable. So again, welcome episode eight. Lots of cool things I want to talk about today and some interesting things that we should be concerned about uh, moving forward here in Canada uh, in regards to owning aircraft. Uh, so first, without further ado, we'll start with the news for this week, which is COPA responds to uh, Ottawa's proposed luxury tax on personal aircraft. If you haven't heard about this, a brief background before we go into it, the federal government's budget that they announced just this past week uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they were pushed back. So this this original budget was supposed to be out two years ago. COVID happened, didn't come out. But the government, the federal government proposed a luxury tax, which, you know what, if you're buying in the ballpark of what they were talking about, and we'll go into further here, boats over $250,000. If you're buying a boat over $250,000, that's pretty luxurious if you ask me. Okay, and if you got to pay a tax on it, you know what, if you can buy a $250,000 aircraft, I'm not too concerned about you paying a 10% tax on that, honestly. Like, I, and not, that's, not, with no disrespect, people buying aircraft over $250,000, normally nine times out of 10 tax write off anyways, so I'm not concerned that you're, you're going to be writing off that tax anyways. But the issue is this. Aircraft are $100,000 and over are going to be taxed, but boats and other luxury personal items valued at $250,000 are going to be taxed. Now, if we sit back and look at that quickly, just before we go into this article, a hundred thousand dollar aircraft, you're like you're getting a one seventy two at this point, like a uh, you know a, a well equipped one seventy two that's used, and someone may be using that even for personal, like for just transportation. If you live up in northern Ontario, if you live in Alaska, if you live in all these different places around the world, sometimes having an aircraft is a means of transportation, not just a pleasure, a hobby. And so if you're spending $100,000 just because you've got to be able to get around, you're now being charged an additional 10%. And that can really hurt. That can really hurt when that's your mode of transportation. I understand when it's just a luxury and all that, you might be taxed extra. I I understand. But $100,000 for aircraft, but $250,000 for a boat? 
seems a little crazy. But anyways, I digress. Uh, we'll go into the article here. The Canadian press notes the Liberals promised a luxury tax in their 2019 campaign platform. On Monday, April 19th, the federal finance minister, Christia Freeland, followed through with that earlier proposal, which in the newly tab, um, tabled budget would be calculated as the lesser of 20% of the value above the threshold. So again, that's $100,000 for an aircraft or 10% of the full value of the luxury item. The GST HST would apply on the final sale price inclusive of the pro uh, proposed tax. The financial post explains upon purchase or lease of the car, boat, plane, the seller or leaser will be responsible for remitting the full amount of federal tax owing, regardless of whether the good was purchased outright financed or leased over a period of time. As noted by McLean's magazine, the other news outlets reporting on April 19th budget introduction, Freelance Forward in the budget document includes a notable description of the government's rationale for the proposed luxury tax. If you've been lucky enough or smart enough or hardworking enough to afford to spend $100,000 on a car or $250,000 on a boat, congratulations and thank you for contributing a little bit of that good fortune to help the wounds of COVID-19 and the interests of the future collective prosperity. Coba back in February 2020 wrote a letter to Finance Minister Bill Monroe or, or Morneau on behalf of its members and Canada's general aviation community expressed deep concerns regarding the proposed luxury tax, which would which was included in the mandate letter issued on December 13th, 2019 by Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. COPA explains that despite its lobbying efforts against its uh, imposition, the luxury tax on quote, new and personal aircraft remained in the 2021 budget with the terms new and personal undefined. Regarding the now officially proposed tax, COPA states it firmly believes the infrastructure required for implementing and imposing this tax will create detrimental impacts to the GA sector and as a result, the Canadian economy. COPA explains of important note, it is the diversity of our community. We represent everyday Canadians from business professionals to farmers to frontline workers of all ages. The average age of the aircraft flown in the community in Canada is 45 years old. As such, it is inaccurate to group personal aircraft owners as some of the wealthiest Canadians who can afford to buy luxury goods and should be taxed more. Owning an aircraft in Canada for most is not a luxury, but a passion requiring hard work, determination, and sacrifice. COPA continues to point out the proposed tax will only further burden an already overtaxed sector, whereas based on economic impact assessment conducted for COPA in 2017, general aviation contributes close to $10 billion annually to the Canadian income through its range of existing taxes. This sector of the aviation industry supports hundreds of airports and they're the backbone to many communities. It cannot survive additional taxes or strains. In its response to the newly proposed tax, COPA notes that uh, that placing an equivalent threshold on a $100,000 luxury car to that of an aircraft at the same value is incorrect. Few new personal aircraft, helicopters, and airplanes can be purchased for under $100,000 in Canada, but there is an abundance of new boats that can be purchased for less than $250,000. COPA describes the $100,000 threshold placed on new personal aircraft as highly unrealistic particularly when adding a 10% tax to items that are already taxed. 
COPA continues to strongly oppose this discriminatory luxury tax and advocates for its removal from the 2021 budget as it would greatly impede the shift from older aircraft to new aircraft, safer and more efficient designs, contribute to the international perception that Canadians are is imposing trade or import, uh, importation barriers of their aerospace industry, restrict the continuation of flight training and flight operations for the individuals who seek a future within the Canadian aerospace sector, and discriminate against the whole aviation industry and its over $9 billion contribution to the Canadian economy. So I know that's a mouthful. Uh, that's a lot going on there. What I'm kind of gathering, and I do need to, I, I, I will admit, I do need to look a little bit more into the actual verbiage of the proposed tax. However, if it's $100,000 on new aircraft, there's really no options. You can't buy anything for $100,000, like nothing, maybe a glider, but nothing. If it's on any of them, new or used, you're still kind of getting hooped, but you've you got to also remember, like you've been taxed on this aircraft before. See, I don't really agree with the, with even now, like a used car getting taxed because the taxes were paid on that car when it was bought new, right? And now it's being taxed two or three more times when each person buys it. So I don't necessarily agree with that. And I, and I sure wouldn't agree with it with the aircraft. What I would agree with though, is if they bumped that up to the $250,000 threshold. So it was at that, that a boat is at, then at least it's equal. You can't say that there's any discrimination. It's held at the same platform as, as boats or luxury, uh, other luxury items. Cars I could get at $100,000. Although, thinking about it though, some, you know, F-250 trucks that, and, and you know, ton trucks or three quarter ton trucks, are over a hundred thousand dollars and people need them for work. So to pay, it's not really a luxury. A luxury to me is you're going out and buying a Ferrari. You know, that's a luxury. You don't need a Ferrari. Some people need a truck for work. Should you pay a proper, you should pay a luxury tax on something that's a work vehicle. Is this included in work vehicles is if something is registered as, as a commercial vehicle. Is that a luxury tax? So anyways, this is just kind of the background of it. Uh, there, there's a lot that, uh, I think I'm missing, uh, and especially in this article, there's, there's certain things that are missing in it. This, this article can be found on copanational.org. Uh, I like to look at a lot of my news on here. Copa is a fantastic organization. And as I say, I've said in the past, if you don't donate to uh, Copa or have a membership with Copa, I highly suggest it. If you're looking for something to donate, if you have the extra money, uh, they're a great organization. They look out for us, us pilots, and um, I find no better suit than to donate to them. Next off, I'm sure everybody has heard about what's going on with NASA and on Mars right now, but really cool uh, video footage and pictures of the uh, NASA's Mars helicopter and the successful first flight. Absolutely historic. And if you haven't seen this, go check it out. The Mars helicopter is called Ingenuity, and it is, uh, it's a, there's two props. It's a multi-engine, I guess you could consider it drone uh very light thing very small actually as well and they are flying around to do research research and studying on mars and uh it is kind of a if to my understanding like tandem with the rover so they can work 
in conjunction with each other to uh, to complete certain tasks. So uh, the article here again is on Copa National and NASA's Ingenuity Mars helicopter is in the early hours of Monday. This was uh, written on April 22nd, became the first aircraft in history to make a powered controlled flight on another planet. The Ingenuity team at the agency's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California confirmed the flight succeeded after receiving data from the helicopter via NASA's Perseverance Mars rover at 6.46 a.m. Eastern Time. Ingenuity is the latest in a long and stored a storied tradition of NASA's projects achieving a space exploration goal once thought impossible, said acting NASA Administrator Steve uh, Jurchik. Uh, Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, the X-15 was a pathfinder for the space shuttle. Mars Pathfinder and the Sojourner rover did the same for three generations of Mars rovers. We don't really know exactly where Ingenuity will lead us, but today's results indicate the sky, at least on Mars, may not be the limit. NASA explains the solar-powered helicopter will uh, first became airborne at 3.34 a.m. Eastern Time, 12.34 local mean solar time, so Mars time, which is a time the Ingenuity team determined would have optimal energy and flight conditions. Ultimate data indicated Ingenuity climbed to its prescribed maximum altitude of 10 feet or 3 meters, reported NASA, and maintained a stable hover for 30 seconds. It then descended, touching back down on the surface of Mars after logging a total of 39.1 seconds of flight. Additional details on the test are expected in the upcoming downlinks. Ingenuity's initial autonomous flight demonstration was piloted by onboard guidance, navigation, and control systems running algorithms developed by the team at JPL. Because data must be sent to and returned from the Red Planet over hundreds of million miles using orbiting satellites and NASA's deep space network, NASA explains Ingenuity cannot be flown with a joystick and its flight was not observable from Earth in real time. If you've ever looked into any of this stuff, uh, it takes, I believe it is, I believe it's two hours. I could be wrong on that. Um, I believe it's two hours if they were to make a control input by the time it would actually happen up on Mars. So quite a little bit of a delay. But anyways, nonetheless, really cool. If you are into that stuff, if you're into space stuff and you're into what NASA is doing, this is, I'm sure you already know about this but I would highly, highly recommend reading about it. If you're just into aviation and flight, it is, uh, it's a really cool thing to look into. Uh, it's interesting looking at the atmospheric pressures, uh, air density, all that stuff, and how they made this helicopter fly up there in different, uh, different conditions. So I would highly recommend checking it out. Last news article for the day, the new 737 MAX issue affects nearly two dozen airlines, 106 jets. Um, and this, this is coming from CanadianAviationNews.wordpress.com. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration has disclosed new details about an electric problem that forced the grounding of more than 100 recently produced Boeing 737 MAXs. If that wasn't already bad enough, like with everything that's gone on with the Max lately, and then this happens, it's just, oh my goodness. 
Uh, through the issue, uh, though the issue primarily affects jets delivered by Boeing after the FAA lifted the grounding in November 2020, several MAX delivered before the grounding are also affected, according to the agency. Regulators globally grounded the MAX in mid-March of uh, 2019. The issue involves potential degradation of bonds associated with an electrical grounding of the equipment that could affect the operation of certain systems, says FAA, says the FAA in a 22nd of April uh, article, continued airworthiness notification to the international community. Potentially affected MAX systems include standby power control units, P6 circuit breaker panels, and main instrument panels, it adds. Boeing notified the FAA about the concern which it discovered after electrical power systems did not perform as expected during the testing of a newly manufactured model 737-8 plane, the FAA's notice. Chicago-based Boeing publicly disclosed the problem on the 9th of April, but did not specify how many aircraft were affected. Boeing recommended airlines pull the affected jets from service. The FAA's 22nd April memo specifies the problem affects 106 737 MAX 8s and MAX 9s, including 71 in the fleet of the U.S. airlines. Those jets have manufactured line numbers between 7399 and 8082. Boeing manufactured them after making the design changes in early 2019, the FAA says. One of the 106 aircraft Boeing delivered 18 in early 2019, prior to the global grounding, according to uh, Serum Fleet's data. Operators with affected jets include four large U.S. carriers, Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, and United Airlines. Other air, others are Air Canada, Belvat, uh, Belavia, Blue Air, Cayman Airways, Copa Airlines, GOL, Iceland Air, uh, Mishing Leasing, Neos, Shandong Airlines, Silk Air, SpiceJet, Sunwing Airlines, TUI, Turkish Airlines, Vala Jets, WestJet, and Zyman Airlines, says the FAA. The issue is not related to recertification of the flight control system on the 737 MAX, ungrounding of the aircraft, or its return to service, the FAA notice says. All affected in-service airplanes passed all prior testing prior to delivery, and there have been no reported incident service failures uh, to this condition. So the nice thing is they caught it before anything happened. It's not like the MCAS issue where they had accidents caused by it, and that's what provoked uh, looking into it. This is something that they were able to find their own, so good on Boeing for doing that, but oh, crappy on Boeing. It's another issue. That's the last thing they need right now. So anyways... Get it fixed, get it back up and going again. I don't see this being a major issue uh, and moving on. The last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, is porpoising. Guys, we talked about porpoising uh, not too long ago, and I wanted to bring it up again because, unfortunately, the aircraft that I fly, uh, well, one of them, uh, was in an accident. It was in an accident uh, due to potential porpoising. Um, and I just wanted to, to go over it because... The, the person that was flying this airplane was a very, very experienced pilot. And you would think that this person would know exactly what to do in the situation. And maybe they did. I wasn't there. They maybe did the best thing for the situation. Um, however, just from what we've heard, it uh, it was a porpoise. They tried to salvage it and, uh, and ended up having a prop strike. Now, nobody was injured. There was a prop strike that sucks, but 
you can fix that stuff. Front wheel needs to be replaced, but other than that, pretty good. Engine is now being looked after and we'll do an inspection on it and make sure that everything is good. However, it prompted me to want to touch back on porpoising. So what is a porpoise? A porpoise normally comes from a flat landing or nose wheel first landing uh, that results in a bounce. And then you have a subsequent bounce again. And the oscillations get bigger and bigger until you lawn dart into the end of the runway, um, to just say it nicely. So how do we avoid this? Think back to PPL time. When you bounce, overshoot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Even if you don't think it was a porpoise, you didn't go nose wheel first. It was just a little bounce. You could salvage it. Just go around. You did something wrong to get to the point where you bounced. So let's just avoid the Swiss cheese model of, of getting ourselves into a, a jackpot and just go around and try it again. The five minutes it takes is going to save. And you know what? Even if you're even if you're busy, I'll just go the ego hit, right? The embarrassment of crashing is a heck of a lot worse than the embarrassment of going around and being like, oh, crap, I screwed that one up. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares if you go around. Like I have never seen, I've never sat and maybe, maybe someone else has, and I don't know, but I've never sat in the cockpit and saw someone go around and was like, oh, what a pain. Actually, if anything, I'm like, oh, great. We can take off quicker. <laughs> like, you know, for being held up by them. Awesome. They're going around. We got time. Let's backtrack. Let's go. Right. We don't have to wait for them to taxi off. So I'm not. I'm, I'm a huge, huge advocate for just going around. Something doesn't look right, go around. Doesn't feel right, go around. You bounce, go around. Don't try to salvage it. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, for a commercial pilot check ride or something, if you bounce, you'll never get in trouble for going around, but you can ease on a little bit of power, soften the, soften the, uh, your sink rate and touch back down. Okay. Maybe you could do that safely, but you will never get in trouble for going around. So, not to go into too much on this, I'll uh, keep everything kind of short and sweet, but if you're going to porpoise, guys, go around. No need to do anything else. Full power and follow what your POH says. You know, most of them, it'll be flaps up one notch, like full power flaps up, you know, level off, gain airspeed, climb out, positive rate, eliminate your flaps, carry on, right? Whatever it is, follow it, go around. If you haven't done an overshoot in a while, go to an overshoot procedure, practice it, get better, become proficient. And like I was told, I was told by a, a, a retired CF-18 pilot that think of every landing like you're not going to land. You're not making this landing. You are going to overshoot. And then at the last second, you may be graced with being able to land. But think of every landing as you're not landing, so primarily you're not landing secondary. You are landing as opposed to the other way around. Like I got to land this and then, oh, if I screw it up, we're going around. So always be ready. Kind of have those fingers going. Um, I see it happen sometimes as well as people will pull the power and then the hand comes off the throttle and they put it somewhere else and land the aircraft. Keep the hand on the throttle, pay attention, land the aircraft if something isn't right, you get gusted over. It can happen to anybody. You could be the best pilot in the world and get hit with a gust and go around. It's no big deal. 
So with that said, guys, always work on doing something to make yourself a better pilot, make yourself a safer pilot. And this week, let's let's work on overshoots, guys. Let's go back to the private pilot license and practice overshoots. It's going to save you one day. If, if not your life, it's going to save your equipment. It's going to save your aircraft and it's going to save the embarrassment. Guys, I can't even begin to tell you how embarrassed this person was from for doing this. And you know what? It's no big deal. It's it's no big deal. We can get the aircraft fixed. No one's going to make an, an issue about it. However, he was so embarrassed that he could let this happen, that he could prop strike, right? So, like I said, guys, just overshoot, overshoot, overshoot. Keep ourselves safe. Keep property safe. Keep others safe. Save the embarrassment at the very least. And let's be better pilots, guys. Let's do it together. So anyways, thank you for tuning in on World Pilot Day, Episode 8 of the Aviation Podcast. And like always, please send any feedback or questions to the Aviation Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to answer them on a future episode. And if you have any friends or family that are into aviation, I could not thank you enough. The best thing that you can do for me is to tell them about the podcast put it in a facebook group put it in your uh, aviation buddies group your group chats whatever but let's build a community here i just want i'm I'm just want to build a community of other fellow pilots so we can discuss and put things together put our minds together and just become safer pilots you know the I, i know it would never happen but the day if it came where there was never another aviation incident or crash uh, that would be the day that I'm I'm striving for. But uh, until then, let's perfect our craft. Let's be professional pilots and let's stay safe out there. So you guys, take care. Happy World Pilot Day. Keep up the great work, guys. And as always, keep the blue side up. Take care.